Hey, everybody. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. Just the two of us this week as Andrew just moved. Which is huge. And he moved close to the Mayfair, which is awesome on one hand, but torture on the other hand. Yeah, it means he'll have no excuse to work late for a midnight room screening or come in at the last minute if someone's sick or all those kind of fun stuff. So. And it's funny because the shifts don't start till three anyway, so he can roll out of bed at like 2.50. And not that I'm saying he should, but you know, he could. Yeah, I think he's close enough that if he bikes, he can be there in 10 minutes and yeah, hopping on a bus or walking, not that much longer. So it's it's so nice though. Like I have friends who live in suburbia and I get the pros and the cons, but for myself, I'm just, no, I like being central. Mm-hmm. That's why I like the compromise that we have, because we're like pretty close to downtown, but we're also kind of like in our own little spot, which is nice. Yeah, you're not in Orleans or <laughs> Rockland or something like that. Blackburn Hamlets or something. It's, I'm like, I don't even know. I thought that was a breakfast food. I don't even know what this is. And it's the same with every city. But when I was a kid, it's my biggest kind of like old man thing with Ottawa. Like Ottawa was what is now, I don't know, central Ottawa, Ottawa Prime. <laughs> That's just Ottawa. When I was a kid and we drove over to my grandparents in Gloucester for dinner, that was, in my brain, suburbia. And Orleans existed then, but now Ottawa is considered Orleans and (laughs) Canada and like all these. And it's every city does that. Like Toronto does that. Oh, yeah. Down in the States, a number of big cities did that where you just you grow and grow and grow. And all of a sudden I was blown away. This was quite some time ago. I was at City Hall for some reason to update my health card or something like that. And I happened to catch a modernized poster of Ottawa, a map of Ottawa. And in my brain, downtown ends at the Queensway, if that, for the southern part of downtown Ottawa. But I looked at that map and it blew my mind because, in fact, downtown Ottawa ends at Sunnyside, which means the Mayfair is right on the southern tip of downtown, which I would never call that downtown in my brain. No, weird. Yeah, according to the powers that be, downtown ends at Sunnyside, and the Mayfair is like 30 feet from that. So how far does it go in the other directions then? Because like Gatineau is not downtown. No, I guess it's at the provincial border. So it's like Parliament Hill is the most northern part of downtown. I think east is probably that bridge over into Vanier, kind of Mm -hmm. heading towards your direction. That's true. And on the west side, I don't know, is it Chinatown, the end of it, or Little Italy? Uh, Yeah, like, it's debatable. Yeah, because, I mean, Little Italy feels kind of far-ish, but then again, so does the Mayfair, so I don't know. (laughs) But I think that square is considered downtown, because now, like... Canada is considered part of Ottawa. When I was a kid, that was an actual different city. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, they do trickery too when you see listings and stuff. Because I've seen Vanier called downtown east or something like that. I'm like, okay, or whatever direction. I think I'm east. I don't know. I even get strangely territorial when they call Ottawa Gatineau the capital region. And I'm like, no, you're a different province. You get your own thing. We're the capital. Yeah, you only want this when we're doing fun stuff. It's like, if it's anything else, like, you want your own thing. Anyhow, the good news is Andrew's closer. The bad news is he's without internet for a few days, which is hilarious because we're always chatting about physical media versus streaming. So (laughs) it's like, oh, him having that giant Blu-ray collection is going to pay off to entertain him for a few days. Yeah, he's never starving for anything like that. Although I know he does like the Criterion channel and stuff like that and, like, Netflix. So I didn't even think about that. Like, he's... 
it feels like you're in like the 1800s when you have those few days between internet when they're hooking you up you know oh my god it's just like so weird to think about that with him now yeah even on you know it doesn't happen often nowadays but every once in a while power goes out i can't even think of the last time it happens but maybe once a year maybe once every two years you're at home and like the power goes out mm -hmm. and it's not like it lasts for six weeks or anything but during that few hours you really feel like a first world problem pioneer. Like all of a sudden you're like, I can't do my work because it's all tied into the internet. I can't watch stuff. All my Mayfair stuff involves going online, like all that kind of stuff. So it's really funny that you're just like, well, get to catch up on some reading. That's why you can never get rid of your physical comic books. Well, I already have, man. Like compared to what I buy once upon a time, now that I have for a number of years, I've had Marvel Unlimited, which if you're unfamiliar with that. It's essentially Marvel Comics, Netflix, and DC Comics is becoming available pretty soon in Canada for the same thing. Mm. I buy way less comics than I did once upon a time. That mixed with the library, I really have a sense of, yeah, I don't need to own it to read it. You know, I don't mm. need it on my shelf. Did you say you pay like by the year for that service? I get it as a gift. It's the gift okay. that Gwen gets to give me for the rest of my life. Where it's just the gift that Gwen keeps giving. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, this really takes romance or surprise out of gift giving. But I swear to God, like, this is great. Like, I'm set. <laughs> and I use it all the time. I read it every day. It's a monthly fee or a cheaper annual fee. Okay. And even now I've seen on Facebook that they've had like a sale where they're like 10% off if you sign up now. So, but it's a very reasonable price and it's a, with no ill will to the brick and mortar comic stores that I love, but it's for less than the price of two regular comic books, you have unlimited Marvel comics for a month. So yeah, because I mean, a comic is like five bucks a pop, more or less. I mean, maybe more actually. Pretty much. And it's an illusion because you think it's a little cheaper because... Some time ago, they just now put the American price tag on it, where it used to be, I remember being a kid and it would say like, whatever, like 199 US, 250 Canadian. Now they just say, say an average comic, like a, like a quote unquote normal comic, a Batman and Archie is 399. So you think, okay, it's four bucks. But you're like, oh wait, that's four bucks American. So you got to tag the exchange rate and tax on top of that. So yeah, like for a normal comic book, you're paying over five bucks. Weird. Is that how they do it? So when you bring it to the front counter, are they like, okay, they get the calculator out and the exchange rate and all that? Like, is that how they do that now? Pretty much. Often they will say, I mean, often stores always have a deal going. So every store is different, but you'll walk in and it'll just say comics at American price or new comics 15% off. So there's always some deal that saves you a little bit of money. Okay. I think there's very few stores that don't have some kind of deal for their subscribers where you're like, mm. I want these six books a month. And for that, like for me, I get a subscription service and I'm getting like 25% off. And that's great because it works on if you're buying a lunchbox or if you're buying a t-shirt, <laughs> you know, anything that you get from that nerd catalog, Man. you save a couple of bucks. But yeah, it's a very expensive hobby. So I can see... Someone like me who just like is reading them, it's very interesting to see almost like with Blockbuster video style, right? Like Rogers video yeah. style, like a smart comic store has to survive by selling Funkos and T-shirts and belt buckles and having Pokemon card nights and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Dungeons and Dragons nights, an excuse to get people into buy other kind of media. And then you'll have a handful of people still buying comic books. But it's like everything else right now on top of COVID. It's very interesting to see how they're going to 
survive because I don't think it's the death of comics at all, but I can see a world very soon where they might be like, yep, we're producing Batman monthly, but it's digital only. And it's Mm -hmm. almost like very few people are going to buy Simpsons Blu-ray box set anymore, (laughs) but will continue to watch Simpsons the rest of their lives. Yeah, well, I think it was Warner just announced that they shut down their physical media that they'll be doing themselves. Like, they're still like, it's funny how they worded it because so many people were like, oh, no more Blu-rays. And you're like, no, 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 they're not in-house making them now. (laughs) They're going to be doling it out to Code Red or Arrow or, you know, Scream Factory or whatever. Yeah, and I don't know the numbers, but I'm very curious because, you know, like, I'm the age where I was young, but like the heyday of Batman coming out on VHS and just selling a bazillion copies. <laughs> that doesn't exist anymore, right? No. I don't know when something comes out. I know that's out there because if you walk into a Walmart, you'll see Hotel Transylvania on the new release or whatever. <laughs> you love that one. <laughs> but I can't imagine they produce, I don't know, what, 10, 20% of what they would have in the mm-hmm. glory days of video stores. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. It's often kind of confusing, too, with the way that they're forced to release stuff now, because you're getting almost, not for everything, but there's so much that's just like digital this date, physical this date, theater this date, you know, and you're just sort of like, wait, so when is it coming out? Like, what is this? Yeah, and it's crazy. I only thought of it because my birthday passed like a month ago, and a year ago on my birthday, Gwen got me the Freddy Savage starring The Wizard, one of my favorite kid movies. Oh, man, yeah. And that was a year ago. And I realized I haven't bought a Blu-ray in a year. It wasn't planned, but it's just all the stuff I am consuming on a home market is stuff like the Disney Plus Star Wars and Marvel shows that maybe once upon a time, that would have been something that came out as a box set. But now I'm like, no, I'm not going to buy any of that. I'm not going to buy physical copies of that. And so it's it's interesting to see how that... And I can't imagine any 10-year-old where once upon a time would be, oh, it's Christmas, I want Beauty and the Beast on VHS. That doesn't happen anymore. No. Like, no kids asking for Frozen on Blu-ray. No, and you didn't even get to have a fun private screening of The Wizard because of uh, COVID, so it's like... Don't we all seem so naive? A year ago, I remember being, well, this just means come June or July, I get to have a belated birthday at the Mayfair with all my friends. And uh, that still hasn't happened. <laughs> so, yeah, and you're like an owner of the theater. It's like if you yeah. can't even do it. I mean... Yeah, and that's the thing. And we're just being cool and following the rules, you know, because I think everyone realizes that when you own a movie theater, one of the big perks is you can sneak in after hours and watch a movie with your friends. It's the biggest perk for my friends who have kids. Of we've done that, of sneak in and have a 10 a.m. birthday party or something. Mm-hmm. And, but you can't really do that now. And, and just so hopefully March 2022, I'll be able to have a. <laughs> two-year belated birthday party for myself yeah because just watching it with you and gwen is like i mean that's fun but that's not quite the vibe you were going for for the the birthday thing oh for sure and i haven't watched it yet almost in stubbornness right i'm like no (laughs) i want to watch this at the mayfair with my friends (laughs) but i'm impressed like i didn't think you'd last this long to be honest yeah it's still sitting there mocking me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Even I'm excited. Like, I like the movie, but I don't have the personal attachment because I didn't have Nintendo growing up, you know, so. But it is, it's a fun movie. I remember seeing it on CTV when I was a kid, so there's definitely, like, great nostalgia to it. Yeah, it's an example of there's no shame in liking a movie that you know is bad if it's a part of your life. <laughs> right. That movie just came out just at the right time where 
I had a subscription to Nintendo Power. I was a Sega kid, but, you know, Nintendo was enormous and, and everybody was playing and my friends and I would do on the weekend. So when this dumb movie came out, which was blatantly a Mario Brothers 3 commercial. Yeah. Like, hands down. It was fun. And then that Christian Slater did it. And I think in years later, he totally admitted. He was like, yeah, it's a paycheck, but it ensured that I got on the cool guy mailing list and got Nintendo games and systems forever. I got like a staff gold card, essentially. <laughs> and that's why he did that movie. Because at the time, he was doing stuff like Heathers. And for him to do mm -hmm. The Wizard was very strange. But that's why, because he's a video game nerd and it got him on the Willy Wonka list for the rest of his life. Man, I wonder if he's still on that list. I wonder. If I'm ever at a film fest and he's doing a Q&A, that's the question I'm going to ask. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> like... it's like the Jack Nicholson Joker contract, you know, where he's still getting paid from that. You, you got to think, and that's money. Like, if we're doing the Nintendo thing, like, that's just product for them. Like, why not keep him on the list? Well, that's the thing, too. Of I don't think this is a nerd mythology story, but Mark Hamill was savvy enough because he's a genuine nerd. He loves comic books and he loves the monster movies and the mm -hmm. universal movies, all that stuff. He's really one of us. So he, because he's actually friends with George Lucas and is actually a fan, has gotten all the Star Wars toys sent to him forever, where I'm sure <laughs> Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher didn't care. Oh, no. But he said it got to a point where early on, like in the late 70s and early 80s, he'd be like, oh, this is so cool. It's me on a lunchbox. It's me on a t-shirt. And then after a while, you're like, I got to get rid of this stuff. And so it just <laughs> became like Christmas and birthday presents for all of his nieces and nephews and all that kind of stuff. Right. But it's the blessing and the curse of that where just imagine how much product that is. Like when Phantom Menace came out, how much Phantom Menace merch showed up at Mark Hamill's house. All those pop cans and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. Like, but what's funny is like, if you really think about some of that early stuff he would have got, it's just, you don't even want to know what it's worth now, you know? Like, it's just crazy. Well, it's funny, right? It's, nerd stuff is either worth a fortune or there was too much produced. Or you get to a point where it's kind of leftover. Mm-hmm. Recently, I just stumbled on this, but there was an auction online and it was a local store called Nostalgia Warehouse, which I had somehow never been to. It's out in Hintenburg. I've never even heard of it. On Sunday, Gwen and I had a little bike adventure and it's not that far from us. It's about a 15, 20 minute bike ride. So we biked over to Hintenburg right near Suzy Q Donuts. So we got some amazing vegan donuts from Suzy Q. Nice. There was a lineup around the block, which helped because <laughs> everyone was being distant from each other. But nonetheless, there was this ridiculous lineup for donuts. But yes, yeah, so I went to this nostalgia warehouse that had an online auction. My total price tag for this auction was under $45. It was like $44.25 or $44.50 or something like that. And for that, I got seven, I think it was 2013 era Star Wars action figures. Nice. A stack of Archie comics, 24 Archie, a 2-4 of Archie comics. Nice. That's the best kind of 2 for it. And I couldn't resist because it ended up costing me like three bucks. A in-package Batman Returns knife, and no, sorry, spoon and fork set. Oh, but no knife though. You, no you knife. Hyped, no. <laughs> but in this beautiful package with a little hologram on the box, never opened. Wow. But so this whole thing, so I did the math and I'm like, okay, so I paid five bucks a figure and 25 cents a comic and three or four bucks for the Batman Returns spoon and fork. And that's after the couple bucks for taxes and a couple bucks for the auction fee. So very reasonable. But that's an example of these toys, when they were on the shelf in 2013, were probably six, seven, eight bucks a piece, plus tax if you bought them at Toys R Us or whatever. And I got them 
for five bucks a piece. So, you know, you kind of collect what you love. Nowadays, if you're collecting to try to make a fortune, it's probably not going to turn out in your favor. No, man, that sounds, were they, I'm assuming it wasn't like five low bats. No. Or low bots, sorry, not low bat. Low bat. <laughs> That's a different low battery thing that one of my uh, machines does. It's like low bat. What'd you get? It was a two pack of Luke and Darth from Empire Strikes Back. Okay, you already won with that. Like, that's incredible. It was a fancy clone trooper, a super battle droid, Mace Windu, Obi-Wan, and Anakin. So that's the seven figures. Quite a few heavy hitters there. Yeah, so it was mostly stuff from, like, Attack of the Clones, but then, like, a vintage two-pack of Luke in his auto body repair outfit and Darth <laughs> Vader. Oh, man. I love vintage two-pack. Vintage two-pack, yeah. It's, it's my favorite. You got to send me that link because, like, I can't believe this story exists. Oh, yeah. And now that I've done it once, I'll get an alert if they have, when they have another sale. I bet you they're probably doing it once a month or once every two weeks. But the stuff ranged from, like, and it all started at a dollar. And then over the week, it went up. Like I said, for that package of goodies I got, I paid $45. And it was done really well. It's this cool little back alley store mm. almost. But they have this like, cool retro sign up and right across the street is a park. It's right near, if you're from Ottawa, it's right near the Parkdale Market. And it looks like it was probably once upon a time, like something boring, like a can factory or something, you know, kind of like one of those like brick and mortar kind of, and, and not like an alleyway alleyway, like it's a big parking lot. Oh, okay. Yeah. But they had a, a table block in the door and then you walked up and you said, I'm order number this. They ask your name and then they give you this stuff and you go away. Everybody's in masks, but I got to peek in the store. And just peeking in the store, I was like, oh, I want to go into there. They're like, he's looking. Yeah, don't let him look. I feel like you got to the door and you were like, Batman returns spoon. <laughs> yeah. And they were like, okay, Josh, we know it's you. <laughs> Do I got to show ID? No, no, just take the spoon. Yeah, only one person bought the spoon. <laughs> but then somebody bought a legit first edition double-sided Nightmare on Elm Street poster. Oh, wow. So opening bid on that was a dollar, and I believe it went for like a hundred bucks. Damn. And that's the kind of thing that people always assume we have for sale. And yeah. I'm like, no, if we had that, we'd keep it. Yeah. You know, but we have some good stuff for sale on our posters. But yeah, you're not going to find that. So that's good for them. They made a hundred bucks off of selling a, an old school Nightmare on Elm Street poster. But that's more than I would spend on anything. I, I'm kind of, I mean, I'm in that kind of just fun spending five bucks for an action figure or buying a giant stack of Archies. But anything more expensive than that, I'm like, oh, that's too much for a Nightmare poster. I, I admit that I would just buy a reprint of it, you know? Oh, same. Well, that's the thing. Like, I've always wanted the Creepshow poster, like the classic Creepshow poster, but I just I haven't gotten around to it. You know, there's so many of them, reprints and stuff. It's cool. Like, but as I've said before about various things, I feel kind of awkward owning something worth something. Like, yeah. Because I'm like, I'm going to wreck it. I'm going to do something to it. It's going to get burned up or something. Yeah. Or, or you're like, that belongs in a museum. Yeah. I mean, that's, I could see myself going, you know, 40 bucks, maybe 50 if it was like a really, I don't know what poster I, want super badly but i guess i could convince myself that i'm helping the business you know like i'm like oh yeah no i'm doing the right yeah. it's not just because <laughs> I, I want this for me but that sounds awesome i didn't expect that they would have something like like that's a wide variety of random stuff yeah i can't wait to be able to go into the store and buy a bunch of things but so that was a fun little thing that i stumbled on last week that, that I, I posted the batman Returns spoon and fork to our twitter because i'm like yeah that's movie merch that's that's, yeah. that's the thing I'm like, you know, I don't remember that specific product, but I remember that almost everything was out around that time. I remember the cereal. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was an every, it was everything. It was you walked into any store and it was every T-shirt and magazine and socks and baseball caps and they, they didn't mess around. 
I had the McDonald's toys. I had the firing Batmobile where it shot the front part shot off. Yeah, those in the cups were so nice. I'm not a giant fan of Batman Forever, but they did make these four glasses, mug glasses that were really nice hmm. that were just like, you know, yeah. $1.99 when you buy a Happy Meal. Yeah, I vaguely remember there was a lot to do with like the question mark stuff. Yes. Like I like just various weird question mark related stuff. And yeah, and, and again, yeah, like I didn't love the movie necessarily either but uh those you know. mcdonald's cups <laughs> might be my favorite part of the movie <laughs> that's probably true i mean i couldn't tell you a lot about that movie other than that they ruined some of my favorite characters but it was still some really fun merge and around mayfair land a funny thing that happened the other day is just randomly lee was watching this 1951 classic called royal wedding which i admit i've never seen i guess he either hadn't seen it or hadn't watched it in a long time and very quickly, he realized that Mayfair was all over the damn place in the movie. Not our Mayfair, of course, but a Mayfair. There's a number of times where there's like a big, beautiful marquee and it's a plot point. People say Mayfair all the time. And it's kind of funny, like Mayfair is not too uncommon. I know we get tagged for a live venue in New Zealand that's just called the Mayfair. <laughs> and every once in a while, a couple times a year, we'll get tagged of like the certain book fair is on or a certain you know cabaret is on and i'm like that's not us and i look and it's like oh it's instead of they tagged we're at mayfair theater and they might have been mayfair nz or mayfair theater with <laughs> er something really but yeah mayfairs are all over the place it's kind of funny that place sounds fun i, I want to go there i think we should have like a thread like the mayfair club right where it's just like all the different theaters and venues and like gwen and i stayed at a hotel in new york and randomly because it was like the cheapest one we could find in a nice place and it was the mayfair so we got to stay at the mayfair while we were in manhattan that's amazing and plus like i think mayflower should count because tom cruise called us the mayflower theater by accident yeah close enough <laughs> so like any of that still counts i think man someone has to get to tom cruise and be like you have to correct yourself great so now we gotta ask christian slater about the nintendo thing <laughs> yeah. tom cruise about the mayflower thing totally off topic film festival q a questions but important, yeah, we're just going to try to get them to come here ostensibly about a film festival, but actually to answer one question each. And then at the Mayfair, I've just been busy, which has been very nice. Our loyal and generous customers have been swapping up the marquee almost every day. Like the last couple of weeks, I think it's been almost every day of swapping out new birthday and baby announcements and nothing as fancy as a wedding proposal in the last couple of weeks, but that has happened. Today was actually a podcast bought the marquee as advertising so it's a nice community thing we get a lot of kind of social media buzz about it we're making a couple dollars out of it and it's nice to kind of be able to have an excuse to drop by the cinema every once in a while so that promotion's going well and then we've been selling off marquee tiles we're almost out of those if you're on the lookout for those we have a the list of what we have left online and the other day marcus our projectionist and i went in it's a fun and actually useful thing to do during these times is we've just been kind of cleaning up. And so we have, I think, something like eight boxes of 35 millimeter trailers. For some people, they would logically go, yeah, I don't need that. I can just watch the Jurassic Park trailer on YouTube whenever I want. But there is a breed of collector who might think it's cool to have a 35 millimeter trailer that has screened at the Mayfair on their nerd shelf of not necessarily their favorite movie, but there's some stuff in there. So anyhow, we're tiptoeing towards getting that organized and we're going to have that in our quote unquote garage sale that we've been doing with 
stuff like the marquee tiles. And so we might soon have a list of trailers up for sale, which is kind of cool. Yeah, definitely. Well, and even like they wouldn't even have to necessarily screen at the Mayfair, even if they were just from the Mayfair. That's pretty huge in its own right. Yeah. And to be honest, anything super cool we have, we're not getting rid of. <laughs> so like, you know, <laughs> you're not going to get that Shaft trailer or the E.T. trailer or that kind of stuff. But there's a lot of stuff from the 2000s, a lot of stuff that could be someone's favorite movie or a fun gag gift, whether it be some kind of animated franchise or I do know that there was some stuff like Twilight and Hunger Games in there, Born Identity. Cruel Intentions? I don't think so, but... I'm, I'm trying to think of random 2000s, like the skulls. Or there's stuff in there that people will buy because it's just it would be funny to have an Alvin and the Chipmunks trailer. So, yeah. So, like I said, I totally get people who would be like, that's weird. But if I wasn't involved in the Mayfair, even if it was just like Cracker Jack style of give me a random trailer, it'd be kind of neat to have a 35 millimeter trailer up on your Blu ray shelf, you know? So, oh, we got to do that. That'll be the next thing for the ones that don't sell is the like mystery bag. I thought that would be fun. Yeah. Like down the line, be like, <laughs> reach in here and pull one out. And, and he'd be like, Deuce Bigelow, what? You, I love that you keep going back to Deuce Bigelow. It's my go-to movie to kick. Do you even have that movie, like the trailer? Is that even an option? I don't think so. We'll release a list soon so people can check it out. But I, I think it's fun. I think a lot of people are going to think it's a, a cool little bit of local and cinema history to be able to have a 35 millimeter trailer. And for us, you know, you might think we should hang on to all these, but we have doubles. There's a ton that we would just never say we're showing indiana jones or back to the future we just have some trailers that are dramas or horror films or whatever that we would never tag stuff onto so you know you hate to throw this stuff out so if you could find a good home i think there might be some stuff like we have a bunch of animation stuff i think that might be fun for some animation students to get a hold of if we get super organized and find a bunch of canadian ones we might just say like hey archives do you want these better than them just collecting dust in a basement yeah there's some really cool stuff i mean i, I know like there was some uh like, we're not trying to get rid of this, do I know there was, like, some cool-looking educational-type films and stuff. Like, I know there's just, like, a bunch of random well, weird, like, uh, to some people, crap. To me, I find it fascinating. So, one thing we might do, don't hold me to this, but I think it's a fun idea, yes. if we can curate this program, is maybe next year during our 90th anniversary, do a couple programs of 80 minutes or 90 minutes and say, like, here's 90 minutes of sci-fi trailers here's 90 minutes of horror film trailers here's 90 minutes of retro 80 something like that mm -hmm. marcus said like oh we should do one for oscar winners and i'm like yeah i don't think grown-ups would come to this you know i don't think we could be like hey here's a bunch of trailers and it's remains of the day and howard's end <laughs> but if it's retro 80s or goofy horror films i think our mayfair nerds would come and check those out more likely oh for sure it's very grindhousey yeah so we found a kfc trailer like just like oh. the way you would see an ad for coca-cola or ford when you go to the multiplexes it's a kfc trailer so sam our resident yeah. our absent friends shadow cast leader <laughs> i was about to say inexplicably has stumbled into collecting kfc which i laughed with him i said you're gonna regret this because this is funny now but five years from now where every birthday and christmas you're still getting kfc board games and hats and t-shirts and memorabilia yeah you're gonna be like oh my god what have i done so we of course gave it to him but if we're having one of these trailer fests we can get it back from him and shove it on the trailer loop as well so yeah I th that's the rule i think you're like as long as you have to re-lend it when we need it yeah 
Man, that's crazy. He must have lost his mind. Yeah, he was very happy. <laughs> that's that's insane. I don't even know. Why would we have that? <laughs> that's so weird. I wonder if we, you know, just fill in the blank. Like we were screening some Grindhouse movie and that 35 millimeter movie came to us from Vancouver or Chicago or wherever. And sometimes they forget to take things on or off. So that could have been, if this was from way back in the day, that could have been a local trailer for like the city of Chicago or something. Or it could have been a national one that was just tagged on the same way that, you know, you'll see those funny retro ads for like lighters or let's all go to the lobby or that kind of thing. So, (laughs) but every once in a while we would get trailers for some really cool stuff. And that's how we would get them is just some other cinema would send it along and forget to take off the Tron trailer and be like, oh, cool. It's ours now. Yeah. No one would even know it was there. So they wouldn't know to ask for it back, I guess. So we still got some time, but just so we don't got to rush through it. Now you're panicking. (laughs) Do you have a couple of recommendations for people while they're not going to the Mayfair this week? Great question. Usually this is when I'm like, Andrew, you go first while I quickly double check. Andrew, Josh, you go first. (laughs) I'll do two quick recommendations. One kind of funny retro one and one actual brand new movie. I watched just randomly Blind Fury with Rutger Hauer. Oh, yeah. Because I'd always heard that it's a dated movie. It's a 1990 movie, but it was fun. And it was. It was like anything of his time. There's a couple of problematic scenes, but Rutger Hauer is really good. It's strangely lighthearted because it feels like it could be like a Steven Seagal movie or something. Like it's it's yeah. a Vietnam vet. He's going to Vegas. He's got a sword. He's killing people really violently. But it has this strange kind of slapstick as a blind character. Rutger Hauer isn't quite the daredevil superhero like he still kind of Mm -hmm. falls around and makes mistakes but he's really cool and he's got the kind of western vibe to him so if you're a fan of that kind of retro genre well worth checking out and a very different role for Rutger Hauer when you compare it to the Hitcher or Lady Hawk or Blade Mm -hmm. Runner it's kind of like it's a strange like leading man role I don't know if he did that very often no so that's one and then the other one is a brand new film I lucked out and got a virtual screening advance to see the Mitchells and the Machines, or the Mitchells versus the Machines, which is the new animated film from the creators of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, the Lego movie, and Into the Spider-Verse. And it is just as good as all those movies. Lord and Miller are on a roll. I think they're amazing filmmakers. And as much as I liked Solo, I can't help but think for the rest of my life how much awesomer it would have been if Lord and Miller had not been fired off that movie. Yeah, it's a shame. Well, I mean, hey, I was going to say we'll never get the Lord and Miller cut, but who knows? God, yeah. (laughs) That hits Netflix on Friday, sadly, because that's a movie that would have been a big screen push, but that is well worth checking out. It's a real fun animated movie. You know, it just makes you go like, oh my God, what's Spider-Verse 2 going to look like? Because this movie is crazy, so... Yeah, uh, that's a good one-two punch. So I got two. So first of all, I watched this documentary called They Came From the Swamp. Okay. It was about uh, William Griefy, who is like a regional Florida filmmaker. This is the part where Andrew would be like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he made like, I mean, like, not good, but like, he did like uh, Sting of Death. And like, I think he did make, you know, was it Mako? Some shark-related one. But this is basically like that kind of regional filmmaking that's just like, all your friends are involved, down and dirty, you know, doing the best with what you got kind of thing. But it's a really fascinating documentary. They put it out last year, I think. And it was like Synapse or someone like that. And I think it was like in conjunction with a box set of his stuff. 
So uh, yeah, it's like, that was really, uh, really cool. Like I've always been interested in, like, I kind of, I've said it before, you know, like I've kind of always been thinking of a life where I would have been that guy, you know, making these low budget movies and kind of just like putting my whole heart into it, but I don't really have the guts. So it's it's (laughs) fun to watch something like that, you know, where it's just two hours of them being like, oh yeah, here's how we did this. And you're like, well, thank you for your service. So there's this, that's the like, you know, legit movie. And then the other one, I watched the new Mortal Kombat and I really liked it. The reviews are unkind from some. I mean, some people seem to like it, but there's a lot of venomous response to it that I'm a little surprised by because like, it's fun. It's what exactly what you would think it would be. So I uh, highly recommend it. I will 100% watch that movie because I don't know if it's just the time that you just kind of want joy you know even if it's through a brutally violent video game movie but Mm -hmm. i really liked godzilla versus kong and i think it's just because i was just happy to see that and Mm -hmm. mortal kombat i remember the original which i loved in a very campy ironic way but i loved it i saw it with Mm -hmm. friends and it was dumb and it was fun and it had a great 90s soundtrack so yeah i will definitely watch the new mortal kombat and it made again i like it anytime this is going well because even though it's not a little independent movie it's nice that godzilla kong is doing well and it's nice that mm-hmm. mortal kombat's doing well because it's proof that we can get back to having movies big and small on a big screen again which is reassuring well the budget was only 55 million which is pretty shocking for well i was pretty shocked i mean yeah it's r-rated but still like i thought it would have been at least 75 or something like that so they're definitely gonna make their money back they're getting smarter about that nowadays because i know in the past couple of years Movies that come to mind are stuff like Shazam and Venom, where you would think like, oh, they're $200 million movies, but they were both under $100 million. It's crazy to call that low budget, but that meant that those movies did not have to make a billion dollars, and they were successful and got to get sequels. And I think Hollywood's getting wiser about not spending $200 million on a movie. Yeah, well, and it's going to be interesting. They actually greenlit Meg 2, which I was a little surprised by because that's kind of the opposite of what you're saying, where the, yeah. the budget, I think, was like $200 million. And I mean, kind of understandable. The star is a gigantic shark, you know, so there's that. But like that was co-funded with China and all that. So it did OK, but it was hard to tell what the break even point was going to be. And I, I honestly did not think they were going to make another one. Yeah. But the funny thing is, like, it's being directed by Ben Wheatley. What? <laughs> who's like the art house director is doing Meg 2. Wow. I like that guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's good. But I'm just like, uh, you might as well as, well, I was going to say Darren Aronofsky, but he did like Noah and a bunch of them. So I guess that's not an app choice. But yeah, so I'm actually even more intrigued than I already would have been. And I, I really liked the Meg. But again, that's another one where people were like, oh, uh, this isn't the giant shark movie I thought it would be. Like, yeah. Why wasn't it gorier? And like, well, it's a gigantic shark. What's he going to do? Bite your head off? Like, come on. Man, that's interesting. Yeah, he did some Doctor Who's that I really liked and his weird indie movies I like a lot as well. But I never feel ill will towards a filmmaker when they jump like that. And even if it's just a hired gig, you know, like that will look good on your resume, hopefully. And then you can do a bunch of little independent movies afterwards. Oh, which he will. That's definitely like, he's definitely a little more esoteric for my liking, like for some of the stuff he's done. Yeah. But like, I love that he's doing what he wants the way he wants. And now he's doing the Meg too. Like, God. it's awesome. Yeah, look forward to that. That was a brain melter you didn't expect at no, the end. And I'm just gonna be thinking about that for weeks. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, that'll, that'll last us till next week. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to wrap this up now. Thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to check us out on all the social medias and like us on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Be sure if you have any questions to let us know. We've gotten some emails in the last couple weeks of just little updates and clarifications and 
people calling out stuff when they realize we totally credit the wrong person in a movie and that kind of stuff. So nice. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we'll be back next week. We didn't get to talk about the Oscars, but maybe we'll do that with Andrew. Oh my God. Yeah. That's a, I didn't even think about that. That's hilarious. But uh, yeah, I don't really care about the Oscars, but they're still very interesting. And a lot of good stuff happened this year, you know, just with yeah. trying to step away from the all old white guys getting awards. So I think that's always a good thing. So yeah, I will say I feel bad for Anthony Hopkins because it's not his fault. But... Yes, I am glad that <laughs> Chadwick's family kind of came out and went like, no, no, it's fine. It's cool. Chadwick would be fine with the great Anthony Hopkins winning an award. Don't yeah. send Anthony hate mail. Yeah, poor guy. It's like, you know, we have a thing about old white dudes, but not anything Hopkins. <laughs> yeah. So we'll be back next week. Stay tuned. I don't think we'll have any good news of opening anytime <laughs> super soon, but any news we get, we will share in a very timely manner. We'll take Francis McDormand's word to heart of <laughs> we'll all go back to a movie theater and sit side by side, hopefully sooner than later. Yep. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you soon at the Mayfair Theater Podcast. Bye. Bye. Now I have to keep an eye open for a Batman Returns knife to go along with the rest of your <laughs> yeah. set. You only have half the set. Nick Parker is quick as a snake. Strong as a bull. Not to mention blind as a bat. Nice doggy. What's your problem? You blind? Yeah. Holy sh! He came for a friendly visit. Step aside, blind man. But his timing was a little off. Now, a young boy wants his guidance. Did you ever cry? The strong man is never afraid to cry. They've got him, don't they? Where's my son? He's here. He's fine. And the boy's father needs his help. Now, if you want to keep them that way... Unreasonable men make life so difficult. Shoot! The blind Zorro! If you can't handle it, get me somebody that can. Get me Bruce Lee! Bruce Lee is dead. Then get his brother! Rutger Hauer. I also do... Circumcision. Blind Fury.